victory shall be mine. Amen. Amen. Sometimes get hard out here sometime and I tell you, you need some reminders. A lot of time I just skip over and just turn to the back of the book and just read about the victory that we have accomplished. Amen. Through who? Jesus Christ. So we thank the Lord this morning. As we get ready for the word this morning, I just want to read a scripture this morning. Lord put on my heart. I just thank the Lord for everything that he does and how he reminds us of his goodness and his mercy. Uh, from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, 23, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whom stripes we were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Thank the Lord for the reading of his word this morning. Amen. Let's give him a hand praise again. May everyone stand. Well, we can be blessed this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Right now, we want to bring forth our pastor, Jerry C. Wright. I mean, he just, you can't ask for nothing better, amen? I mean, the most humble man that I know and loyal to the Lord, love the Lord, amen? So right now, I bring before you our pastor, Jerry C. Wright. All right, if you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn to 2 Samuel, 5th chapter, verses 1 through 10. And of course, this is uh, the last lesson from the prior quarter. Amen. 2 Samuel, 5th chapter, verses 1 through 10. And I uh, entitled... Uh, I titled this message, Anointed Before Acknowledged. Anointed Before Acknowledged. And I will read these verses for you once again from 2 Samuel verse five, uh, chapter 5, rather, verses 1 through 10. And I'll be reading from the NASB version. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, 
you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be a ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. Then they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned for uh, 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. Now the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. And they said to David, you shall not come in here, but the blind and lame will turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. Nevertheless, David captured the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. David said on that day, whoever would strike the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul through the water tunnel. Therefore, they say, the blind or the lame shall not come into the house. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the millow and inward. David became greater and greater for the Lord God of hosts was with him. Amen. The Lord had a blessing and a reading to the reading of his word. So the time is 1004 BC and David has been in survival mode for over a decade. His first anointing for leadership occurred what must have felt like eons ago when he was a teen. In uh, 1 Samuel 16th chapter, verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. So we see the first anointing occurring way back when David was a teen by Samuel. And, and yet, it would be years before the purpose of this anointing would be realized. Because after he was anointed, he went back to be being a shepherd, right? Not king. And he was a good shepherd, by the way. He was a shepherd that protected the sheep, and he was a good shepherd in the sense that he not only provided protection, but he guided them along gently, right? And this was putting the work in, if you will, because this shepherding also transitioned him into shepherding even people, right? So God was allowing him to have his Moses experience, if you will, on the backside of through, amen? And instead of sitting on a throne, he next served in the military, right? Where he slew a, a great giant and he was also outmaneuvering Saul to save his own life, right? Saul then dies 
And you would think that David would automatically become king then after Saul and three of his sons die on the battlefield. But no, David was anointed a second time as king. And this time he was anointed just to be king over Judah, right? His hometown, by the way. See, the commander of Saul's army, Abner, he scurried real quick to make Ishbosheth, Saul's surviving son, king. A few Civil War-like fights occurred during that time, and it was revealed that David was becoming stronger, but Ishbosheth was getting weaker. Amen. And seeing what was unfolding, Abner, who started all this, he saw what was happening, that David was getting stronger, and he met with David and began to help lay the groundwork for the rest of Israel to acknowledge David as king. But of course, if you read the background chapters, you'll see that Abner was killed as well. Amen. See, there's a time when anointing comes before acknowledgement. See, uh, he was a shepherd, a soldier, a a refugee, and part king. David had traveled a divine journey to the throne. And throughout this process, David is an example for us because he remained faithful and patient. So what is true of David must be true for us as well. Because we find ourselves often in a state of being anointed or chosen before acknowledged. Amen. If I could borrow something that Elder Max said a couple of weeks ago, we are chosen or elected and predestined people. When you talk about election, that has to do with your position. You are chosen, you are a child of God. But when you talk about predestination, predestination has something to do with your purpose with your purpose. So you are elected and you are predestined. So sometimes when you're chosen, it takes a little time before the purpose kicks in, right? Because God is creating something in you. (laughs) You're on that backside of through, right? And he's preparing you for the purpose that he has in store for you. Amen. And we too must have that faith and that patience like David as he waited for God to prepare people, prepare the position, and prepare the place. Amen. Prepare the people, the position, and the place. We must remain faithful and patient as God prepares the people, the position, and the place. So that's the outline. Preparing the people, preparing the position, and preparing the place. First outline, God prepares the people 
See, the beautiful part of David's story is that he wanted things to happen the way God wanted it to happen. Amen. It wasn't about manipulation or being mischievous. Right. It wasn't about being slick, being a slick willy to get the throne. Right. It wasn't about that. He wanted things to happen the way God wanted it to happen. God, God was in the, in, it, he was in the background, if you will, of David's life. And he was preparing the people at this time to see what he had in store for David. See, David waited patiently for God's timing. There was those that thought they could impress David at some point. See, it wasn't about being mischievous or cruel or or cunning or anything like that because there were those if you could recall in the later chapters earlier chapters there were those who tried to impress David by killing someone right first day first one came to David and said uh, yeah I saw King Saul on the battlefield and and uh, yeah and I, I just finished him off I just finished him off thinking that that would impress David because, see, see, Saul being dead, that means, hey, David, you king now. So I, I, I did you a favor, David, right? I did you a favor. So I, I, I ran that sword through him. And David said, you know what? Now we're going to execute you. <laughs> see, because you did that to God's anointed. So we're going to execute you now you weren't supposed to do that see that's not the way God wanted it done see David wanted it to be God's way not his way amen then there were those who served David that said hey we went up to Ishbosheth and and you know what we did we killed him we killed him see he was trying to be king over there while you were king over here and we killed him for you, David. Now you can be king of it all. And David said, no, it's time to kill y'all. Why? Because God didn't want it that way. David wanted it the way that God intended it to be, right? He wanted God's will to be done. It was God who prepares the people, not how you slick and, and being cunning and, and mischievous and going and working behind the scene. No, God reveals to people what he wants you to be, right? Because he says in here, in the first two verses, then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, behold, we are your bone and your flesh. Previously, when Saul was king over us. We were the one, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be a ruler over Israel. See how God revealed three things to them within these verses, right? First of all, he they, they, it was revealed to them that they were kinfolks. <laughs> And that was an important qualification because back in Deuteronomy, it says that you will not allow any foreigner to be king over you. 
So David was qualified because he was flesh of their flesh and bone of their bone. He was going back. They were going back using some of the words in Genesis, right? Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, so to speak. You weekend folks. So that qualifies you. And God revealed that to the people as he prepared the people. As he prepared the people, he also revealed to them the second thing, which was you were the one who was leading in and out. It was your military uh, uh, skill that was on display. You showed that you could lead us in terms of fighting against different nations and, and, and protecting us. So God revealed that to us as well. Not only are you kin, but you, you, you can fight, right? You can fight. You can protect as well. And the last thing that was revealed to them is that God said <laughs> that you will be king, David. And God has impressed that upon our minds now and in our hearts now and where we're acknowledging that you are king. See, God prepares the people. It's not us. He prepares the people, right? See, folks realize that David was their flesh and their bone. They realized that he was qualified as a military leader and that the Lord said that David would be king. And David was willing to obtain God's purpose for him in God's way. That's what we have to do today. We have to do the same thing. We have to allow for God to do things his way, to prepare hearts and minds for us as we go out on our jobs, as we go out in this world ministering, we have to put that, that heart work in God's hands. Amen? Amen. And then secondly, God prepares the position. Verses 3 through 5, it says, So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them before the Lord at Hebron. Then they anointed King David over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. This is the third time David is anointed king, right? First, as a king, as he was anointed by Samuel in his youth. Then secondly, he was anointed king over just Judah. And now he's anointed king over all Israel. See, your position in the church is a ministry. But also your vocation, your profession is a ministry. Amen. That's a ministry as well. The way you earn a living is a ministry as well. Amen? See, God enables us with certain talents to carry out our profession. But he equips us with spiritual gifts to build his kingdom. There's talents out there for your profession. But how does he build his kingdom? He builds it with spiritual 
gifts, and he gifts us with spiritual gifts for the kingdom. And some say, uh, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my gift is, so help me out. I don't understand. Can you tell me what my gift is? Here's the answer, the, the best answer I came up with. Uh, God rewards faithfulness. <laughs> he rewards faithfulness. Stay busy. Get busy. Get involved. You, you won't find anywhere in the Bible where God blessed laziness. Amen. God blessed uninvolved. God blessed not engaged, uh, not invested in his kingdom. You won't find, get busy. And then it is revealed to you exactly where you need to be. But stay busy. Stay busy. And in everything we put our hands to, we must have the mindset of Colossians 3, right? Colossians 3, 23 through 25 says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. First Corinthians 4 and 2 says, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. That is faithful, right? David wasn't sitting doing nothing before he was made king. He wasn't just sitting just inactive, doing nothing because he was anointed king. And since he couldn't be king, he was just going to sit until he can have that position. He didn't do that. He wasn't inactive. He was busy. He was busy. And in his busyness, God was preparing him for that very position. Amen. He was engaged. He was involved as he was on that journey to his uh, position and his purpose as king. It's not about uh, being slick and cunning. God works out the position, the situation, that, that station that you're in in life as you work out your salvation. Amen. And as David waited faithfully and patiently, so must we. Oftentimes we hear the saying, it's about who you know. It's about who you know. See, and he got that job because he knows so-and-so. She got that job because she knows so-and-so. Or he got that job because he was the right complexion. Or they got that job because they were the, didn't get the job because they were the wrong complexion. See, for us, the world might think it's about who you know, right? But for us, it's about who we serve, right? It's about who we serve because who we serve will take care of the who you knows, right? That'll take care of the who you knows, right? Because he can orchestrate the who don't know him <laughs> to, do, to do what needs to be done for who knows him. 
Amen. So it's about who serves him. It's not about who you know. So keep that in mind. Like David, we should want what God wants for us, his way. Not our way, but his way. Amen. And, and, and I know David probably had some, 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 some uh, personal preferences. But those personal preferences didn't outweigh what God's will was in his life. Amen? What the will of God was in his life. So, thirdly, God prepares the place. God prepares the people. He prepares the position. And he prepares the place. Verses 6 through 10, it says this. Now the king and his men went to Jerusalem. Against the Jebusites. Now, when they say that the king and his men went there, some believe that just David and his mighty men went up there to take care of business, rather than he got the whole army of Israel. Some believe that he just got his mighty men to go up there to to take care of business, right? Right? The Jebusites were in sight. The Jebusites. We're inside, right? The inhabitants of the land, the Jebusites were, they were supposed to have been gone, right? Way back in Joshua days, they were supposed to be eliminated. But somehow they kept a small little, little, little stronghold, <laughs> right? Some say it wasn't no more than about 11 acres, right? This, this, see, Jerusalem wasn't always under the Israel control, the control of the Israelites. See, there was the Jebusites in there running things then. And they were pretty arrogant too, right? We'll see that they were pretty arrogant as well because uh, they said to David, you shall not come in here, right? But the blind and lame will turn you away, thinking David cannot enter here. See, what that is saying is that they said to David is like, we are so fortified. <laughs> we are so protected. See, there's a huge slope here. There's a huge slope here. And there's a huge slope this way too. And there's a gradual steep slope coming this way. You can't get to us. We're so protected. Look, the blind and the lame in this city, they, we're going to send them to protect us from you. That's how protected we are. We're so protected that the weakest of us can take care of you, David. So that's what we'll do for you. See, they were talking smack. They were talking stuff. And they knew that they were protected. And verse 7 says, nevertheless, (laughs) David captured the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. David said on that day, this is what he said. They don't give us a lot about the battle, but they do give us this in verse 8. David said, whoever would strike the Jebusites, the Jebusites, let him reach the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, right? In other words, when you read the interpretation of this, 
David said, I'm going to use their words against them. So you're saying that you're going to send the lame and the blind to protect you all from me. Well, I'm going to attack you all as if all of you are lame and blind, <laughs> right? Because the way I'm going to do this is going to be so unexpected, right? It's going to be so slick that all of you are going to be caught by surprise with this. Amen. And that's what he did. He said, I want someone to go through the water canal. And I want you to travel up that water canal and say, surprise. <laughs> and get them all, right? And that's exactly what had happened. Because what happened is his, his, the, the commander of his army, right? I think his name was Joash, right? He comes up and he, he uh, leads a group of men up there and they take it over. They take over the city. Now, what's interesting is, is that that piece of land was key because it was central. It was central. It was between uh, Benjamin and it was between Judah, right? Now, you got to remember, Saul was a Benjamite, right? Saul's hometown was with the Benjamins, right? And David's hometown was with Judah, right? So that central location was key. Because David said, if I reign over all of Israel from Judah, Judah will walk around with their chest up, right? Like, like, we got something. See, it will still be tribal in mind. It'll be one tribe over the other. Right? And all of a sudden, everybody in Judah will be bragging, yeah, yeah, we got the king in our town. Right? We're the king's town. But David said, no, what I want to do is I want to bring us together. I want to bring us together. And so I want a central location. And this location will be Jerusalem, right? And everybody can claim Jerusalem, right? Everybody can claim Jerusalem for themselves. So I could be king over everyone and not just Judah. And that's why that was such a key military uh, uh, strategy, if you will. It wasn't a political stunt. It was bringing everybody together. See, God was um, ordering David's steps, right? And, and it says that David was a man after God's own heart, right? He had a heart for God, and he had a desire for God's glory. He had a concern for God's will, and he wanted it done God's way, and he wanted it done correctly. And he wanted to bring the people together. So David lived in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the Milo or Milo and inward. David became greater and greater for the Lord God of hosts was with him. Because David had a heart for God and wanted the will of God to be done and was concerned about the glory of God, the right place was revealed to him, right? 
See, back in the days of Joshua, like I said, these folks were supposed to have been gone, right? All the ites were supposed to be out of there, right? The, the Hittites, the Ammonites, and the Jebusites, all of them were supposed to be all gone. They were supposed to be gone, right? But having that heart for God, David went into action to possess the land. Like I said, because it was a central location. And here's another thing. David also, for us, for us, God gave David this heart. God gave David this focus of his, of, of, on his glory. And God gave him focus on his will as an example to us as well. See, most times people are wondering, where do I need to be? Where should I go? And a lot of folks in their lives are trying to figure out exactly what should, where should I go? Where should I go? Where should I be? And, and if you have a mind focused on God's will, if you have a heart for God, amen, and if you have a passion for his glory, God will reveal it. God will reveal it. He'll reveal it to you. He'll reveal it to you in time. It's just that you have to just have that sensitivity and that tenderness to what he wills and what his will is and what his glory is about and not your own. The right place. See, sometimes the right place means being in that place to witness to somebody. The right place. Sometimes the right place means a time in which you see that you need to pray for somebody. Amen? The right place means that you got to be not only physically in the right place, you have to be spiritually in the right place as well. Amen. You have to be spiritually in the right place as well to be used. So what do we get out of this message? Well, what we ought to get and what the point that, that, that was continually pressed is that you got to have patience and you have to be faithful while God is working it out and preparing the people people's hearts. He's preparing the position, and he's also preparing the place. These things, God is orchestrating it all to make sure that your purpose will be fulfilled. And it's not about you trying to manipulate people. It's not about you trying to be slick and cunning or anything else. You know, I read this week, they said that David was 30 years old when he began his uh, kingship over all of the nation, right? And they said that as a rule, the first 30 years is filling yourself with, with, with skills and, and abilities and things of that nature. Because then after that 30 years, you, started, you start emptying yourself as you execute things, right? as you execute things. And, and a lot of us, we spend our whole lives trying to 
feel, to feel ourselves. We, we, we spend all this time feeling ourselves, trying to feel ourselves. We, we need a little bit more. We just need a little bit more. And, we, and we're, we're just greedy for more. And we just say, if I had skill here, if I had this, if I had this. See, at, at some point, it is, it's a time that you need to release and give. See, it's a time in which you need to release and give. Instead of being a mentee, it's time that you become a mentor. Amen. It's time for you to invest in someone else instead of trying to figure out where somebody can invest in you. You see, because God has prepared you. He's preparing you for a purpose. But here's the thing. You can't execute a purpose when you're continually trying to just grab for you. See, your gifts and your abilities are not for you. <laughs> They're for the kingdom. They're for others. Tony Evans gave this illustration. He said, how does an apple rot? <laughs> an apple rots because it begins to feed on itself. That fruit is for someone else to eat. It's not for itself. Because when it feeds on itself, it rots. So we got to make sure that we are not just feeding on ourselves, but we are being used to bless others. Amen? We're being used to bless others. Be service-oriented. Be service-oriented. Because you are not left down here just to, just to be, you know, the all in all. <laughs> No, you weren't, you're not down here to just to be, uh, you know, like uh, everyone look and say, ooh, that's the man. Ooh, that's the lady. No, you are down here for a purpose. And that purpose is to build his kingdom. And he helps you and he provides that lane for you by preparing the hearts of people. And he's got a position for you. You don't have to vie for it or fight for it or anything. He's got your place. He's got your place. You know, I read this week in closing, too, that, that what it was, Proverbs 18 and 16. It says, your gift will make room for you. And I've heard a lot of people preach until they're sweating and almost convulsing, saying, your gift will make room for you. And I read that and studied it carefully. And, and that thing is talking about a present, <laughs> not a gift, a spiritual gift. It's talking about like a present, like Christmas gift. And what Solomon was saying <laughs> is that as a rule, people like to call themselves bribing others with stuff to get their way. And he wasn't endorsing that. But, was, but what he was acknowledging is the fact that acts of kindness does help. <laughs> acts of kindness does help. And that's what that scripture was about. And I was like, what? My gift don't make room for me no more? <laughs> but it does. <laughs> it does in this sense, too. If you stay faithful, 
if you remain busy, if you keep your hand on the gospel plow, God has a purpose that if you don't know what it is, just keep working. Remain faithful to him. Stay patient and you will be where you're supposed to be. But you'll never get there if you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? I just, I'm just, I just won't do nothing since I don't know. That, that's a parable, right? <laughs> that's a parable. The one that said, Master, I just kept it until you came back. Right? I just kept it until you came back. And, and what was his reward? You no good servant. <laughs> right? You're supposed to at least use what you got. And that's what I'm begging you all to do today. But how can you wait and remain patient and faithful for God to, to, to prepare the people, the position, and the place when you don't have a personal relationship with him? It boils down to a personal relationship with him. Because that type of patience and that type of faithfulness, that takes a relationship with God. And I urge you today, if you don't have a relationship with him, then it is time for you to reconcile that today. It's time for you to reconcile that today. Choose you this day who you will serve. Because I'm telling you, being religious is not the answer. <laughs> being religious is not the answer. But being faithful to him who has created you and, 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 and having a relationship with that one who created you, who came down here and died for you. That's the answer. He's the answer because those who know him will follow his commandments and they will live like Christ. So I urge you today, to begin to live like Christ by first making that decision to have a relationship with Christ. And that relationship is he must be your Lord and your Savior. Amen. Choose ye this day who you will serve. Amen.